Well, I would like to share with you this evening on the subject of delighting the delightful God. Delighting the delightful God. If you'd turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. I apologize for my voice. I do the best I can. Yeah. Just have to listen for the truth behind the the noise of my voice. Jeremiah nine twenty three through twenty four, a familiar section. But uh, I think we can gain some things from this section, and then we'll look at a few other verses and sections of Scripture related to this subject of delighting the delightful God. But let's begin here with verse 23 of chapter 9. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not a rich man boast in his riches, But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Delighting the delightful God. When I talk about God being delightful, I mean that he is full of delight. Often we think of God as kind of a distant, aloof deity, almost non-enthusiastic about things here on earth, and even sometimes we view him as rather gloomy. The opposite is true. God loves to be God. He delights in it. He takes great pleasure in all that he is and all that he does. And he is enthusiastic about it and he's enthusiastic about serving his people and working for their welfare. For example, God says this, in Jeremiah 32:41 I will rejoice in doing them good think about that god says concerning his people i will rejoice in doing them good now when we talk about various a- attributes of god and th- emotional aspects of god We have to realize that his emotions are not like ours since he's infinite and perfect in his being. But he is nevertheless personal. God presents, or the Bible presents him as being a personal God, ascribes personal attributes to him. One attribute that we don't usually think of as belonging to God is happiness. But I think that we're thinking wrong if we don't 
consider that to be an attribute of God, happiness. In fact, I would say that he's an inf- since he's an infinite God, God is infinitely happy. He's infinitely happy because he's infinitely glorious. And the good news for us is that he invites us to participate in his happiness, to enter into his happiness. Now here's what John Piper writes in a book called The Pleasures of God. He says this, It is good news that God is gloriously happy. No one would want to spend eternity with an unhappy God. If God is unhappy, then the goal of the gospel is not a happy goal. And that means it would be no gospel at all. Gospel is good news. It's happy. It's joyful. But in fact, Jesus invites us to spend eternity with a happy God when he says, enter into the joy of your master. Enter into, that's what we going to do in heaven. We're going to enter into the joy of our Master. Jesus lived and died that His joy, and that, that's God's joy, might be in us and our joy might be full. Paul even calls his message the glorious gospel of the happy God. Now, you didn't read it that way in your translation. Because it says blessed God. But that word blessed is sometimes translated happy. So our question here tonight is, what makes God joyful? What does he enjoy? What delights him? What makes him happy? We're going to look at some verses, but we've already read the one I'm going to spend the most time on, which is in, in Jeremiah chapter 9, these verses 23 through 24. Now, he starts out here talking about not boasting, at least not boasting in our wisdom or our might or our riches. He does say we're supposed to boast, lest him who boasts boast in this. So let me just say a little word about boasting. Because in reality, that's one of the ways we delight God. Now, we usually think of boasting as a bad thing. But it doesn't have to be if it's done in the right way for the right thing. The root word that we get this word boasting from is often translated praise Or in the King James, if you have the King James translation, it says glory, that not the wise man glory in his wisdom, but glory in this. So that suggests praise and trust and confidence. So that helps us understand what we should think about when we're thinking about this word boast here in uh, in chapter 9. It means confidence in something or someone, praise of someone or something, hope and trust in another. So what does it mean in our lives to boast in the Lord? It means to trust Him, to commit our way to Him, 
to recognize that he will be consistent with what he says he loves and to praise him for being the way he is. That's what it means to boast in the Lord, to praise him for being the way he is. In other words, to delight in him, to boast in him and knowing him is to delight in him. So the first point I want to make is one of the main ways that we delight him is by delighting in him. Talking about, remember the name of the message here, delighting the delightful God. And one of the main ways we do that is by delighting in him. Another thing that we can do to make God happy is by growing in our knowledge of who he is and what makes him the kind of God that he is. This is what he's saying here in this section. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. And then he explains some things about him, things that, he, that are central to who he is, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Happiness in life here on earth ultimately comes down to knowing God and knowing what he really is like, pursuing more and more of the knowledge of, of God. And as we do that, not only will we find out what happiness is, but this brings happiness to God. As we pursue more knowledge of God, that makes God more happy, and it makes us more happy. This is the way to happiness all around. God is delighted when we get our focus off the things of this world and begin to dwell on his nature and character. And so let's just take a few moments here to consider some of these things that he mentions as his delights. He says he delights in these things, loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. So let's take that first one, loving kindness, or just kindness. God is kind. He delights in being kind. And it pleases God when you and I become channels of his loving kindness to others. See, he delights in loving kindness, being loving kind himself, and he delights when we're channels of that loving kindness towards others. God enjoys being kind, and he enjoys kind people, people who add love and joy to this fallen world. When you're kind to others, you're not only making them happy, but God is happy too when he sees you being like him. Are you with me? God's kind, and he delights in being kind, and he delights in kindness when he sees it being shown in our lives. Now, we have to constantly fight a battle. It is a battle to be kind in an unkind world. This world is constantly tempting us to be unkind. It takes the Holy Spirit to help us to be kind 
to the unkind. It's one of the part of the fruit of the spirit, kindness. We're not to boast. He told us here we're not to boast in riches or wisdom or strength. But if God has given us any of these things, He delights to see us use those for the good of others. That's what kindness is all about. Using whatever riches you have, whatever might you have, whatever wisdom you have for somebody else. That delights God. Now, if you're just boasting in those things in yourself, that doesn't please God. But if you use those gifts that God gives for others in kindness, God is delighted. The value of earthly riches or wisdom or strength is in what they make you able to do on behalf of those who do not have them. So the point here that I'm making is that God is kind and he delights in others who are also kind. You could look at a lot of verses on that, but maybe 1 Corinthians 13.4, Love suffers long and is kind. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. That all has to do with kindness and caring about others. Ephesians 4.32, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. God delights in loving kindness. Well, the next thing that he mentions here is this area of justice. God is a God of justice, and he loves justice so much that he hates the opposite, which is injustice. Whatever is unjust makes God unhappy. We are to be committed to what is just and opposed to what is unjust. God delights in justice, you see. That's what we're told here. He specifically mentions that he delights in justice. To know God is to know what he delights in, and one of the things that he delights in is justice, fairness. In fact, this is an amazing thing that God says here later on in the book of Jeremiah. He said, Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He pled the cause of the afflicted and needy. Then it was well is not that what it means to know me? He says, here's what it means to know me, to plead the cause of the afflicted and needy. God delights in justice. God does this, and he wants us to do that. It delights God. <coughs> it's always wrong and displeasing to God to treat anyone unjustly, and God goes so far to just bring this right down to the very level of the very practical things, that is, giving the full quantity of a product that a person pays for. He says this in Proverbs 11:1: 1, The Lord abhors dishonest scales, 
but accurate weights are his delight. I'm talking about things that delight God, you see, an accurate weight, an accurate scale is his delight. So, you make God happy by making sure you treat people fairly in a business transaction or in anything else. God delights in justice. And then the next thing he mentions is righteousness. God delights in righteousness. Now, the two words, justice and righteousness, seem almost interchangeable. But I think righteousness seems to be a little more internal or personable. It's a personal attribute of being like God and like Christ in our moral character. It's, in other words, it's more a matter of who you are than what you do. Justice is something you fight for, but righteousness is something you are. In both case, you're seeking, cases, you're seeking to do what is right and fair, but in righteousness, it is not a matter of principle, but a personal matter of choice of the kind of person you want to be. So to delight in your heart, to do what is right, delights God. It delights his heart. To give an example, when we see this in our children, it makes us happy. By that, I mean just as when you see your child doing the right thing because he or she desires to do the right thing and not just because of being told to do the right thing. That's a a delight to a father or mother because they want to do the right thing. And this is, this is what we're talking about here. It delights the Father's heart to see us actually delight in doing the right. Well, those are three things that he mentions here in this section. But I want to go off into a few other things here just briefly. What else makes God happy? Uh, a lot of things could be mentioned, but we'll just look at a few. A lost person turning to God in repentance and faith makes God happy. It's a delight to him. In fact, he delighted in that thing, type of thing so much that he sent his own son to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus said it this way, I tell you that in the same way there will be more, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There's joy in heaven. Well, we think of the angels rejoicing and things, but there's, it brings joy to God's heart. He delights in this thing, repentance towards him, faith in him. Later on in this same chapter where he talks about uh, joy in heaven, in Luke 15, we have that account of the prodigal son and the father. And the picture of the father is one who is overjoyed with the return of his son. He's overjoyed. We're talking about what delights God's heart. Well, the return, the repentant prodigal is a joy to the father. In fact, he says it this way, but we had to celebrate and rejoice. We had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, and he was lost and has been found. So every time 
there is someone converted, God is happy. Another thing that God delights in is forgiveness. Forgiveness delights him. He delights to forgive and is delighted when we forgive others. That's also taught, I think, in the same account of the prodigal son. It says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He was delighted to forgive him. God loves to forgive. And he's also happy when he sees us forgiving one another. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. So God delights to be a forgiving God, and he delights to see us forgiving one another. Not only is he a forgiving God, he is a giving God. God delights to give good gifts to his children, and he delights when we're like that also. It is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And every good thing given and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So it's no wonder that Jesus taught that it's more blessed to give than to receive, because that's the way God is. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's, it's a blessing to others. It's a blessing to ourselves. And it's a blessing to God. God delights to see a giving people. And then lastly, God takes pleasure, finds happiness in his people. God finds happiness in his people, and he's delighted when we do the same. Psalm 149.4 For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, he will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. Isaiah 65:19. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. That's God speaking. I will rejoice in Jerusalem. I take that to be the church in New Testament sense. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And then probably the most glorious one is in Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will, he will rejoice over thee with joy. Rejoicing with joy. It's kind of a double way of saying it. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. So here's God singing over his people. And if God rejoices in his people, he rejoices when we enjoy and love one another. In other words, he delights in our delight of one another. God takes joy, <clears throat> joy in his redeemed people, and it brings him happiness when we enjoy and love one another. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then that section in 1 John, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
So he's talking, Jeremiah is talking about what it means to know God. And this is what John's talking about here too. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God is manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God delights to love. God delights over his people. And he delights when we're delighted with one another as God's people. It is a great delight for God to see us delighting in his work in one another. These are some of the things that make our delightful God delighted. He's delighted when we delight in him. And he's delighted when we are like him in loving kindness and justice and righteousness and enjoying his people and in forgiving and in giving. These things delight our delightful God.